everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Way of the Fist. I am Michael, your co-host, and with me, as always, I am joined by my good friend, co-host extraordinaire, Jonathan CV. Jonathan, how are you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Doing really well. How's, how's things with you? Everything is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I am just coming off of a 12-day adventure in mm. Japan, and uh, not going to lie, not going to lie, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was getting pictures from, from Michael like every single day of the different places that he's going to, slightly blurred out by something else that was in the foreground of the uh, eh. <laughs> of, of each thing, but like all, all these cool sites that you were, you were visiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, there was, some, there was some pretty cool action going on there. Yeah. There's pretty cool action going on there. You know, maybe yeah. a little, let's just say it'd be, without getting into too much details. Well, I'll tell you before I get into that this one over here, she did a lot of shopping. Did she? She did a lot of shopping. Yes. She did a lot of shopping. So I can't take full credit well, on everything. <laughs> Based I on the two think. pictures that I know of, I don't even want to know what your credit card bill is now after this trip. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh my gosh, it's going to be... Let's just say, let's just say yeah. it was impressive. Most impressive. impressive. That's a, a good one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad you had a really good time. I'm glad you're back safe and you know back to it. Yeah, it's actually... great. We go, go ahead. ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say we you know we started up in Tokyo, met some friends. Um, there was no karate on this trip. It was just straight travel and tourism and stuff. Yeah, and uh, met some friends. I ate so much. Um, two trips, not one, but two trips. To Chow Chow Gyoza, not gonna lie, not gonna nice. lie. It was did, did you go in Kyoto or just in Tokyo? We we, we went uh, Kyoto and Tokyo. Yeah, nice. nice. So, uh, and then just ate a lot of a lot of good food. Uh, we so we we did a little time in Tokyo, a little time in Nara, Kyoto, and Osaka. But Osaka was really just kind of staying there. We only had two full days, mm -hmm. and one day we went. We actually took the Shinkansen and went to Himeji Jo. Mm -hmm. um, it was awesome. It's, it's probably the best castle that I've been in. It didn't. It wasn't. It's not a re reproduction or reproduced. It's yeah. been renovated a couple times, but it wasn't destroyed in World War II. Um, you can go inside. You can go inside the walls. Um, it's it's amazing. Like I sent you a straight up ghost, straight up ghost of Tsushima action in there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It seems pretty sweet from the from what you sent me. Yeah, it is awesome. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Okay. And in fact, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll save that for later. Save um, that for later. Save that for later. But, uh, and then Sunday, we were the, our very last day in Osaka, we were supposed to meet up with uh, one of our friends. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he ended up getting sick. And so that didn't actually happen, which then resulted in more free time, which resulted in more walking around which resulted yeah. in more shopping and uh <laughs> let's just say shopping yeah we'll leave it there you brought uh, an empty suitcase with you just to check for like all the stuff that you were buying right so what i did was i um i put my big like 65 liter um patagonia soft side mm -hmm. duffel bag in my suitcase when i left and i put everything inside that so nice. then when we were done, we took that out, put all the clothes and all the soft things that wouldn't break in the soft side, and then put all the omiyage and all the shopping in the, 
in the two regular suitcases. That's, um, that's almost the it, exact and, same thing that I did on my last trip too. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Similar. And it was absolutely necessary and we could yeah. have actually, and I told Sue, I should have actually brought the smaller one, um, the slightly smaller, like, like extra large gym bag size one that I mm-hmm. have, uh, as well, because in addition to, yeah, in addition to the yeah. one that I did bring because, uh, every bag was almost right at the limit, the check-in limit, yeah. um, like within a pound or two, even the, even the, just the, now what was just filled with clothes bag yeah. because yeah. all the other souvenirs and shopping and, you know, Sue bought a bunch of dishes and, you know, cups and mugs and, you know, pottery stuff. So it was, uh. Yeah, cause, and, and she was there for a little bit longer than you were too. She was there for like right. two weeks longer. Three weeks. Three, three, oh, yeah. three, three. actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, three weeks. So she yeah. had plenty of time to go out and make acquisitions. <laughs> she had nothing else to do. Might as well just go shopping. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah she had a great time too. So it was, awesome. it was a great trip. Um, back to work, works chaos. Every day is just chaos. Um, so yeah, man, had a, had a good uh, good training yesterday. Going over uh, a bunch of uh, a kihon and some some kata and and technique and getting one guy ready for his first Q test. Um, we'll, we'll be having our first Q test here um, very soon. I just got to actually it's more on me to print up the certificate and then just actually hold the test. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, so what have you been up to, man? Man, just everyday training, uh, you know, do, doing what I normally do, going to the gym here and there. Um, I actually recently took a trip down to Jacksonville, Florida to meet up with my uh, United States-based sensei, um, Ray Pete Sensei, and his mm-hmm. brother has a dojo in the, like the next town over, uh, Fred yep. Pete Sensei. So I went down there, do some training down there. Um, it was kind of a interesting opportunity to uh, you know, share with them my experiences with going to the Hombu. You know, I've, I've been way more than they have in the past uh, several years from 2016 to now. I think I've uh, been exponentially more than they have. I, I don't think they've been since 2016. Um, so it was good to kind of share the things that I've learned with, with some of their students and, and help them kind of, uh, you know, bridge some of the gaps that, you know, their, their people were having with technique and, and whatnot. Um, I didn't go there to do that initially. I went there just to just to do some training, and then you know, got to impart some Honbu wisdom, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and, good. Uh, that's yeah. good. All in all, good trip. Other than being sick the whole time, I had a yeah. stomach issue with some deli belly. Yep, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> got got back, and uh, as soon as I got back, got right back to it. You know, right in the dojo, and continued training. Yeah, I have a, a visitor who's um, another member of the Shobukan who's here in town for the next like three weeks. So he's, he's coming up to visit and uh, do some work with him. And other than that, normal, normal life stuff. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah. Shodo's coming along well. Shodo's coming along. Yep. We're, we're, it, it, it's not as fast as it was last year at this time. Uh, but you know, small, small gains for, for the bigger yeah. picture. Yeah. Well, that's good. Inching that's good. closer and closer to that, that showdown level. That showdown. That 
Shodan. Hugely important level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that reminds me, you sent me, uh, you sent me an Instagram post hmm. uh, earlier in the week um, about promotions that was related to promotions. and. Oh, are we going to talk about this? You want to talk about it? That's up yeah, to you. Do it. It, it doesn't well, bother me to talk about it. Well, we got a, I, I, because I didn't really reply. You know, I, I told yeah. you I didn't have the mental bandwidth to reply yeah. to your, your message because I was so yeah. busy this week. But um, if we can go on a little rant uh, before we get into our actually really positive topic, we're going we're gonna to get back to something one of our, our listeners sent. Um, but I think this just straight up falls into the, the JFS category. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I'd like to, be, before we get into this, so the individual that received promotion, I'm not against him receiving promotion. Um, I do know that he's been at, you know, one rank for a very long time. And I know through, you know, some political nonsense and some unfortunate, tragic circumstances, you know, he was unable to take promotion and things like that. I'm not against him receiving promotion, mm -hmm. but it's the, the vehicle that it happened in is that uh -huh. I, I take, I take some issue with. And that's why I sent yeah. it to you. So, yeah, okay. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, and so here's my thought on that. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I know that there were some tragic circumstances, but there were other mechanisms that that person could have taken to just stay within the same organization. Absolutely. And right. And maintain that, I guess, rank promotion slash trajectory that they could have been in. The organization that they were part of is a substantial really substantial organization. I mean, it's large. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Right? Um, here in America and in Okinawa. And uh, so there, I, th I think the, there was ample opportunity, maybe not opportunity that it was, maybe not easy. Let's put it that way. It may not have been easy or convenient or close by. Yeah. But, there were, there was enough opportunity within that. Let me phrase that. Maybe not opportunity is the right word. There was an avenue to maintain association mm -hmm. with that organization. Several avenues. I, I, I like off the top of my head, I could think of several phone calls that could have been made to say, Hey, everybody, you all know what happened. I want to continue moving forward. Please, right. please help me find that path. And, just you know, three or four people off the top of my head that I could think of would have absolutely been like, "Hey, come on, let's make it happen." Right, or or even people that we know of who were, who, through you know, other choices or whatever, had been in that organization, and then through their their instructors breaking off and doing whatever yeah. created more other organizations. I know of at least one that we're very good friends with and then one that I know of also yeah. which was this and it was the exact same lineage yeah um but that's not exactly what happened not not exactly what happened no yeah so what's your issue with it well okay so the the individual that we're referencing um he and some other uh online individuals created a um 
their own organization. And the organization was founded, I think, at the end of last year, like maybe November, October timeframe, I think, of last year, 2023. Maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and one of the other instructors that's, you know, one of the founding members of this organization went and like retroactively awarded this individual rank with like a new, like a brand new shiny certificate, but it's post-dated or well, pre post pre, whatever it's backdated back to, uh, you know, a time in which he should have received a rank years and years ago. I think it's like right. six, six or seven years prior to the point of this established or this organization being established. Right. One, you don't need to do that. Market for today. That, right. There's no, they're, they're like, what, what's the need of backdating the certificate back to a point where that organization didn't even exist just right. to say that you've got it. Uh, and then, you know, they also promoted him to Yondong, which again, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but why not just have them both on the same day? I have a, I have a certificate uh, for my Nidan and Sandan that are, uh, yeah, Nidan and Sandan that are both marked the same exact date that was issued to me in Okinawa when I went and tested at my home Budojo. And I have no issue with that at all. Like they, for whatever reason, they felt like they needed to like backdate this so that way they can show some kind of like continuity or, or whatever, or legitimacy. I, I don't understand it, but to me, it, it is a, a huge red flag and screams of fraudulent behavior. Yeah. And especially when, while that's an option, you know, like in your case, because your, your sensei in Florida gave you Shodan. He right? did. Yes. When you, when you joined and you did, you went through the, went through the process or whatever, and he graded mm -hmm. you at Shodan. And then as you've said, you went then however long later you went to Okinawa and you were there, and at the end of that process, mm -hmm. they graded you for Nidan and Sandan on the same day, right? Correct, yeah. But even that Nidan, even that, sh I, I guess, the, because he gave you Shodan, maybe they wanted to show the progression to have the paper because, right. but Looks they good could on have the wall, just brought... But like, I could have just had the Sandan. As a matter of right. fact, my in my Kobudo journey, I never got right. a Shodan or a Nidan. They just gave me Sandan. So now I have Sandan, right. Yondan, Godan, but I know I don't have a Shodan or a Nidan. Right. And yeah. you know, I, I have I have I have several examples of that. Yeah. Right. So it just it just screams like like I don't know. It it just when I saw it, I was like, Man, I am glad you're you're getting recognition and you're moving you you know, you're moving up the ladder, but it feels it, it, it feels I don't know, it, it just feels weird to me. You know, it was a kind of kind of shady kind of like uh you know that that self promotion as well because he is mm -hmm. one of the founding members of that um he did say that it, it came from somebody else and you know he was reviewed by somebody else and that's cool but you know and then also with that issued a shogo title at so that's the one well. that's actually the one that uh kind of kind of bothers me the most actually Twisted the knife a little bit deeper, right? Twist, twisted the knife a little bit deeper. Yeah. A, because it was it was at Yondan. At Yondan, yeah. Right. And so while there's no standard and every organization kind of does it differently, generally my understanding is usually, like you said, you're a Denshi and you're in Shobukan is at Rokudan, right? Rokudan, yep. Right. And 
most places I've seen in our organization, I've seen it at Godan. And most yeah. places, the earliest is Godan. When you right. like the earliest you can get a Shogo title is Godan. And so that just kind of like you said, digs the knife a little bit deeper in that whole self promotion, self ego inflating aspect of it. That it's an organization that we created ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm just going to give myself a Shogo title or this other person who created the organization with me is going to create the, give me this Shogo title. And, oh, it's at Yondan. Like, right. I'm like, well, that just goes back into, you know, our fellow listeners here can kind of guess what I'm about to say. But JFS, like JFS. just stop yeah. with that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like just stop. And again, like even even as like an organizational thing, like I don't have a problem with him receiving his Yondan from that organization that he and like others helped create and they, you know, put together this little board and you know did this promotion thing, whatever. It's the the two extra things, the backdating right. and right. the Shogo title that is just right. superfluous and right. like I said, like a red flag for me as far as the character of it all. Yeah. Well, and that's where, you know, and, and this is, this is, this ties in with, you know, I mean, we have a friend in, in the Chicago area mm -hmm. who I've known for a very long time. I was teammates with and uh, broke away from his sensei. And I think when he was Godan and he's mm -hmm. still Godan. Right. He found it. He's got his own dojo and he's got whatever. And for as far as I know, I haven't seen I, I, I could be wrong. I may have just missed it. But. You know, he's got multiple dojos doing very well. You know, I his, believe his, he did get promoted. Uh, oh, did he recently? Just recently. Right. But he was but like he sat at that Godan for a long time and there was never any. There was never any anything like that and that's okay like who cares at the right. end of the day right i mean anyways anyways so just when it comes to that stuff just train and stop trying to you know make yourself into something that you know because at the end of the day those shogo titles are useless like i'm sorry the toilet paper in my bathroom is is has more use mm -hmm. right yeah, well, and that was another thing is they had to print an entire certificate just to acknowledge that as well. Like that's not that's not I, maybe other organizations do that. I don't I don't actually know. I don't have enough experience with like the Shogo title thing be awarded. But for us, like at Rokudan, it just gets written. Like right, you know, that's how I've seen it in in ours also. Yeah, just read to you Rokudan, you know. And yeah, that's you just yeah. move on. There's there's no like extra certificate to say, hey, by the way, now you're. Supreme Grandmaster of the Universe. Yep. So, okay. So we've we've that horses. You know, if you if you've listened, if 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 you're if you're unclear as to our position on this topic, yeah. I would refer you to a previous episode here. And let me let me go back and 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 give you. I, I want to give our listeners accurate information here mm -hmm. as to uh, what episode you should go listen to for our. Full, let's see, episode 14. Shogo. Oh, that was an early, that's an earlier one. Is, oh, yeah. I know. It didn't seem like it, but that's just it, how many episodes we keep, <laughs> we've been going on. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, 
man, I'm going back and looking through this list, and there are so many great episodes. If I mean, humble brag, sorry. Humble brag, yeah. <laughs> Go back and listen to them all. <laughs> yeah, again and again. Um, yeah. But in, a, in much more kind of tying in with parts of our earlier conversation about my trip or whatever, what day is today? Today is the 25th. Well, I forget about what day because this is going to come out at a later time. But right. very soon, very soon, Shogun is going to come out. So, yes, very soon. Very soon. And very for excited. those, I, and okay, and so here's the caveat. I'm very excited, but I don't want to talk about this a whole lot. I want to give a little teaser for our listeners, but I want to do the Shogun episode when it's all done. So after we've watched the entirety of it, after after the, after the the season is done, uh, okay, okay. I want to do the Shogun episode. But luckily, we'll be able to talk a lot between we. Uh, yes, yeah. Michael and Jonathan. <laughs> I, I'm not waiting. I'm not going to wait to talk about this, man. Like I hope you don't no, think no, I'm no. just going to like. <laughs> no, 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 no. So yeah, but no, we Michael and Jonathan. We'll have many, many conversations over the. We, we may have to just hit record on some of those and then release right. and them then later. Just, like piece <laughs> yeah. it all together later, like voice memo yeah. it. Yeah. So for our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, FX and Hulu are releasing Shogun mm-hmm. on February 27th. And it is uh, the adaptation of James Clavell's mm-hmm. novel Shogun. And I think it was a written, when was it written? Early 80s? Uh, yeah. Late 70s? Yeah. Late, it, 70s. Uh, late 70s, I believe. Um, and it I don't, was I don't original... have my, my copy. I thought I had it right here on the shelf, but I think it's actually downstairs because I, I recently um, cracked it back open to go back and like refresh. Try and some... finish? No, I, I finished it. We talked oh, about did you? It. Yeah, I finished it okay. uh, I, Yeah, early last year in, um, uh, was it May and June? My, my flights okay. to and from Japan, I, I, I finished oh, it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's yeah, right, yeah. That's right. So I just went back to crack it back open and like, you know, because I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the trailers and I'm like, oh, yeah. man, that's that, that's that part. I want to go back and like you know, check it out. And, and yeah. check it out. Yeah. So it was novel, like like war and peace, like more than a thousand pages. Yeah, it's, it's pretty substantial. Yeah. Um, and then in 1984, Four, I want to say, it was a. They made a mini series mm-hmm. with Richard Chamberlain, and uh, so that's where. And I and I remember watching it. My my parents let me stay up and watch it, and so. But that's all. Other than I, I don't want to get into to too much more, um, but just to say that both Jonathan and I are stoked about this because it yeah. looks like they're doing it pretty good. It looks it looks like it's done pretty well, and plus some of the people that are in it, I'm pretty excited right. about. Yeah, right. Some of the actors, um, and I did see that uh, apparently the, the the reviews, like Rotten Tomatoes and things like that, that have reviewed the first several episodes, have um, good reviews, pretty good reviews. So yeah, that's. That's kind of where we're at with that. Just so you're going to have to stay tuned. Little teaser. Check it out when it comes out. And um, stand by for the definitive Shogun episode. Probably, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be eight or ten episodes, but so in a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
you got anything else before we get into today's main topic? We're 24 minutes into the in today's episode, and we're just now getting to the main topic. No, that's it. Let's let's get into it. Um, let's we've got get some into other it. other TV stuff that we can talk about in a future episode, but let's get into our main topic now. Okay, so once again, I want to thank give give appreciation and thanks to our our listeners. Today's topic. Um, I'm just going to pretty much read uh, most of this message verbatim. Um, and so, you know, Sean, thank you very much. Mm. Um, it says, uh, I recently opened a new dojo teaching, teaching Matsubashi Shodin Ryu and was hoping you guys could make an episode specifically about teaching traditional karate do. Something I've been struggling with is balance with my lesson plans, specifically kihon, kata, impact training with pads, etc. I have classes for kids 5 to 7, kids 8 to 12, and teens and adults. I appreciate everything you do. And then we got a little bit follow-up. Um, without getting too much into specifics on this one, he kind of details some uh, dojo drama yeah. that's going on. Um, a uh, parent getting upset about somebody else passing their blue belts and then literally asked if I'm the kind of person that she can just buy a black belt from. Uh, and he mentioned specifically struggling with lesson plans for kids in the four to seven age group mm -hmm. doesn't do any tournaments uh, but he would love to get some of his older kids involved in contact competition at, at some point again references um uh, so i i think what he's what he's my interpretation or understanding of what he's asking for is kind of maybe if we could talk about how we structure our classes because we both have a wide variety of experience and we bring those to the classes, but we, we both have competition experience, but we're both very heavily focused on maintaining that, you know, quote, air quote, you know, traditional karate right. and kobudo for, for, our, for our dojo and our classes. Yes. What, 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 do you, what are your thoughts on kind of how you structure your classes or your curriculum or your training program? And yep. as it breaks down between different age groups, and things like that. Yeah. So um, I don't have a like a very small kids class anymore. Like I used to have a four to six year old program. I believe he says he does five to seven. Right. Um, but when I did have that, it I, I kept my class times uh, right at half an hour. Uh, I found that if any any longer than that at these younger age groups, you know, we're just diminishing returns and babysitting, uh, you know, kids that didn't want to be there anymore. Um, so we, we shortened our class times down for that. And then we, we broke everything up into like precise 10 minute increments, right? So we have three 10 minute increments of, you know, like warm up and stretches first 10 minute block, uh, yeah, group, you know, then we're doing something that is karate related, you know, we're doing kihon, we're doing like stance drills, we're doing, you know, um, I, I wasn't really showing kata to that age group because they're, you know, processing and memory and stuff like that was not always you have hand you have anomalies that are like they'll do it and then you have like the rest of everybody else that they're like well what's going on outside the window and you're like no 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 focus up over here guys um and then you know we try to try to do something fun afterwards to keep the engagement within the class that you know is still like karate related but you know it's gamified so they're they're having a good time with it while also learning um, right. that, that was pretty much that program, you know, and, and as far as like our contact goes, we weren't doing 
we weren't specifically doing kumite. Uh, we, we would do some kumite drills here and there, uh, but we liked to do like what we call sumo, which is where they sit down on their knees in seiza and then they have to basically just kind of like pin each other. Like they've got to try to, to oh, grapple yeah. and try to, you know, you know, pin some pin them, which helps bridge that, um, like that abstract thought process of contact from one child to another uh, without it being punching or kicking some other kid in the face, you know, and, and with children of that wait, age wait, wait, too. Wait, 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 So you're not, you're telling me you're not supposed to, I shouldn't be having them punch and kick everybody in their face. Well, uh, if you just listen to my next point, some kids, some kids will take right to that. They'll, they'll right. go and they'll punch that other kid in the face. Right. And then the other kid will also take to it and just stand there and get punched in the face. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That those are the ones we got to worry about, right? Because that ultimately it ends up in tears and you know kind of detracts from the class a little bit. So um, bridging that abstract of, of contact, you know, we, we play sumo, uh, which they all love. E- even when they graduate into like the our regular kids classes, they're like, Can "We do this," and like, mm, you know, we're we're gonna move on to something a little bit, you know more more for your age group and you know we're moving out of that moving on to something but every once in a while i'll still let them do it and they they get like super jazzed and you know go to it um but for my kids classes you know we're back to a full hour now and we're structured every it's monday and wednesday nights and monday is kata uh, kihon and kata and then wednesday is kumite um, the approach that we take to Kumite, because we do have a, our competition team and we do, do compete and everything like that, is the WKF model of Kumite. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't care what anybody says. If you're doing Kumite at any level, you're doing a sport version because there's no such thing as Kumite and Karate that isn't geared towards the sport. Uh, and you can even say, oh, we do this old style like Jisen Kumite or whatever. You're still doing a sport. You're, you've, you've eliminated 98% of the karate that's available to you. You're still like working within a, a, a confined rule structure. Even if you're doing it for t- you know time with no points, you're still only striking in designated areas. You can't tell me that Kumite is not some sport. So, you know, just, I mean, do it however you want. But if you're going to do Kumite why not do it to a current standard rather than an outdated one? That's my opinion. Um, But that's, that's how I do it with my, with my kids and my teens. That is their, uh, their, their program. Um, And so the Kata and Kihon, you know, we, we stay very strict with how it's prescribed from our Honbu on, on that Monday night for both children and teens, whether they're on our competition team or not. Uh, I have specific competition practices for the students that want to compete and which we will look at kata performance a little bit differently than how we do it, quote unquote, traditionally. So we can, you know, play in the same arena as today's sport kata athletes. Right. Um, and then for our well, adult, oh, go ahead. Can I, I well, I, so I wanted to ask a question there because you sure. have, you said you you have it broken up into essentially two different days, right? Yes. Where you have a kata and a kumi, or I'm sorry, kata and a kihon day. So Correct. for those younger ages, when you're doing kata and kihon, how mm-hmm. do you or what is your mechanism to keep them engaged and to make it? Fun. Oh, a he- healthy dose of fear, man. I carry Shinai around and I, you know, I'll just like 
you know, it, it's a good threat for him, you know, it keep, keeps him in line. Um, so no, I, I'm just kidding. I mean, a little bit. I do have a like a foam a foam sword. That I'll go around and whack them a little bit uh, when a, they're a, a pool uh, a pool yeah. noodle. Yeah, it's not. It's it's kind of like a pool noodle, but it's actually like uh, from from Chanbara. Like the, the it's like a foam sword. Like a, you know, it's yeah. got like a handle and everything. Um, okay. So I'll go and like you know do that kind of stuff. Walk walk around, but each child is also responsible for actively counting and being engaged when we're doing like repetition work and things like that um and i've noticed that because i didn't used to do that i used so to when be you say, when you say the responsible they all ha- everybody has to count out loud yeah everybody every, or everybody just at a time so it's like a call and response right so i have like you know one of my junior black belts or one of my other black belts that are you know kind of assisting me or if i have nobody there that evening then myself i'll be at the front like let's say we're doing joe danuke right and i'll do you know, and I'll call each, you know, and they respond each, ni, ni, san, san, you know, so now everybody's, it's like a call and response. And you can okay. kind of tell, like, some people start to fade, and you can hear kind of where it is. And, you know, you can kind of be like, hey, guys, in the, you know, back right corner, let's, you know, get get back to counting. And, you know, they, they typically do. Um, and I found that when when I get them to count and be engaged with that, the energy levels are a lot higher, the way that they mm. perform the technique is, you know, they, they go for it like more uh, like intentionally rather than just kind of like lazily, just like doing it to say they did it. Because um, I used to do that in the past where I would be the only one counting and they would just do the, you know, work on their breath and just do the technique. But it was always half-hearted. Uh, so then can before I know I know you haven't gotten into your adult class portion. Sure. Yet, but when you when you are the one calling count mm-hmm. have you experienced their reaction or their actions being impacted on the way that you call count so initially yes um and as a matter of fact with my children i call count far less now than i ever did in the past so it used to be when i would call count you know, I've, I've got a pretty big voice when I'm in the dojo. I know it doesn't reflect that on the podcast. <laughs> We've had some complaints. <laughs> Too ari. Yeah. Too-ari. But Too-ari. when when I when I call count, I, I'm I'm pretty you know I'm pretty loud in the dojo, and the the students are are uh, responding to that. Like when other students, like other um, black belts or you know assistant instructors or whatever, get up there and they don't have that same presence, the same command. Uh, you can see that it kind of the the performance of the group wanes, right? I see it, man. It looks good. It looks good. Stop distracting me. <laughs> Anyways, um, it does. It wanes when the the command isn't there. But with working with the people that are assisting me, I've gotten them to a point where that command presence is prevalent all the time now, and so I can step away and I can actually go and work like with an individual while the count is being called. I can, yeah. you know, sometimes I go in the other dojo and actually just swing my bow while they're calling count. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with like, oh, I'll step away and go do this while you guys, you know, call, call count for Kihon. Because now they're, they're, they're doing it, you know, and I can kind of trust that the, the, the people that are in the room are, are keeping a pretty good handle on the group. Uh, I don't do that often, 
thing, but sometimes I will. So then, okay, because that's something that I've noticed, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of address that as well sure. when, you, when, I, when I come up. But let's, so now let's transition to your adult class. How do you, is there a way that you run your adult class that's different than your kids? Yeah, I would say my, my adult class is um, considerably different than my, my kids and teens classes. Uh, we have a lot more, um, I would say, goju-specific impact drills that we do. Uh, like we have like our sandanki, our kotikidai, you know, kake, these things that we run um, almost every class as part of our warm-up. Um, a lot of times, too, instead of like standing in lines and doing our, our, our count, I'll get my adults to, to go into a circle and face yeah. each other and do, you know, oh. go through, go through Kihon that way. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've noticed that doing that also kind of makes them sort of kind of keep the other person who's opposite from them. Like they, they sort of keep accountability with each other. They're like, they feed oh, off man. each other. Better. Yeah. They feed off each other. You know, they're, they're like, oh man, we're, that person is like getting it they're after it tonight. What am I doing? I got to like pick it up and you know, it, it works out pretty well. And not only that, but like everybody gets to see kind of everybody. So like my my lower ranking people, they get to see firsthand like the spectrum of ability uh, mm -hmm. from lower ranks all the way up to the higher ranks, and they can emulate easier what they should be doing. A lot of times, I see like a lower ranking um, student that doesn't quite have the experience and knowledge try to emulate a high ranking student, and it. Yeah it's it's a, a bit of a failure because they're not they don't really know what to do but they're trying but if they right. if they look you know a little bit over and they see like a, a green belt doing something and they can get a little bit closer to that kind of technique right. you know all of a sudden we're seeing the success rate you know go up and up and up all the way up right you know so we, we run things like that and then a lot of times it's you know partner drills after that where we're getting into like i said our kotikidai our sadangi our Yakusoku um, Kumite, and then from there we're moving right into Kata. Uh, our adults, the amount of Kumite that our adults do is a, a fraction of what like my kids and teens do. We don't we don't typically oh, okay. glove up. We don't typically you know get out there and, and pursue the uh, you know the sport aspect of it because you know most of them don't really want that they're not pursuing that they they want they want the the, the kata they want the bunkai they want the you know the quote unquote traditional stuff and then if if they want to um, some nights they'll come in and they're like hey can we you know we want to do you know want to get a little aggressive tonight you know we'll go into the other room where our our tatami are and we'll. You know, we'll get on the floor and we'll wrestle, we'll grapple, we'll work on some some jujitsu, we'll work on, um, you know, we'll work on takedowns, we'll work on getting, you know, our, our center of gravity lowered and under, you know, hips under somebody else to, you know, to get a hip throw or something like that. Yeah. For the individual and 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 work on where we see that same kind of maneuver in a kata. So we'll we'll do like maybe the drill and then we'll go back and do the kata and be like, see, this is this is where this is and. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden you see light bulbs going off and people are like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's okay. a good point. You know, that's a good point. Yeah. So but that's that's kind of the, the differences of, between my kids and, and adults. And well, and my adults are also doing Kobudo where my kids and teens are not. I have two teens that are doing Kobudo. Uh, 
independently of the teens class, they also come to our adult class. So with the Kobudo then, do you find, let me see how to, how to word this. Do you find, how, how interested, I mean, I guess for, for them to start, that's voluntary, right? They, you're not like, hey, show up on whatever night. It's Correct. just only the people that want to do the Kobudo as an addition to karate, yep. right? Yep. I don't make everybody do Kobudo, um, but in my adult classes so far, 100% of people are doing Kobudo. Um, and usually what happens is, so like, let's say somebody who uh, starts at the dojo, let's say Tuesday night, right? For that first hour, we're doing all the things that I had already said we're doing for karate. And then on the second hour, we're going to switch gears and do Kobudo. We do two hour classes for my adults uh, each night. And that second hour is dedicated you know, usually for Kobudo, sometimes our, our karate stuff kind of like carries over to the, the second hour, depending on what we're doing and, you know, how excited they are about what we're doing. Um, but then, you know, I, I will dismiss the people who are not participating in Kobudo. Hey, you, go, you can go home and, you know, typically they're like, wait, can, can we stay? I mean, you stay and you can watch, but, you know, I don't, I don't want you really, you know, swinging your bow yet until you can figure out how to do some of these dance transitions and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but you know that's on the horizon, and you can you can stay and watch. And usually, you know, because th they'll keep asking up until I'm like, yes, just just grab a bow. And usually by the time that they're like, can I stay? And I'm like, yeah, 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 go grab a bow. I mean, they're like so jazzed, they're so excited to go and do it, and you know they they don't stop. Yeah. So, I don't think I... I've had anybody who started Kobudo who has been like, uh, I don't want to do that. I just want to do karate. See, that's really interesting. As I, I really like how that progression, if you will, or how you have it included in the class as mm -hmm. part of the class itself, essentially. Yeah. Um, it creates a more integrated product, I think, especially yeah. because, you know, you're, you guys, for your style, whatever, the the Kobudo isn't necessarily part of the Gojudo itself, but right. they are linked, if you will, yeah. in the way your organizations are structured, if, if that makes Correct. sense. Correct. Yeah. Um, because right now, like, I only have one, one student who is doing Kobudo, and mm -hmm. he actually is still very much a beginner, but he had done... Uh, not so much karate experience before, but he had done Aikido and had used the Joe and stuff. So when we started, he was, he, he went out straight away and, and bought a bow. It was like, can we do this too? And I'm like, well, normally, <laughs> normally we don't start with a bow right away, but you've yeah. already swung a Joe before. And so you, you know, got experience a little bit with something so we can go ahead and start. Um, but he's really motivated with that awesome um, so my um my experience is a little bit different um because i don't have even here i don't have a full-time dojo right i have for the last four years i had had a small program a community like community service style program and the numbers because of the way it was structured always fluctuated um the most i think i had was 10 or 11 right around 10 or 11, um, down to, and it, and it stayed between four and six most of the time. Um, but it was mostly, mostly beginners. 
And so, but then I, I, I didn't have what I would call a kid's class. I had, it was just one class and I had a minimum of 10 years old okay. uh, in the class. I did break that for one little sister who wanted to come with a little brother. Um, but I didn't, I can't say that I ever did anything specifically for the children. Mm -hmm. um, through the, throughout that time, usually in the beginning when I had up to 10, it was actually predominantly adults and then some, some work situations happened and whatnot and kind of the, the demographic changed to about half and half, I would say. Mm -hmm. half, half kids and half adults or, or, or large older teens maybe. And, um, but I didn't, I never did anything specifically for children themselves. But what I would try to do every class was, I mean, we did, we always focused on, you know, kata and kihon. That was, that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, we, I never had mats per se in the dojo. So it was very hard. I mean, it was hardwood floors um, at that, at that point. And so with little ones and ones who are not familiar with break falls and things like that already, it was very hard to do takedowns. So mm -hmm. we only did takedowns a couple of times where we could go into a little bit more of a, a padded area. And that was very minimal. But I always tried to, let me phrase that, most of the time, I tried to include a, I guess, quote, self-defense drill type thing. But what I would try to do is, like you mentioned, I would, I would find a part of a kata, and then mm. I would break it down very simple. And then we would do the drill before I ever showed kata. Mm -hmm. And then they'd, they would do it with a partner and whatnot. And in fact, that's a lot of times, in fact, separating that out from the, the activity drill that I would do, a lot of times before I did difficult parts of kata, as we were progressing and I was introducing new kata, I would break the moves apart and we would just do them like in the air, like like the pinan nidan, the very mm -hmm. first move where you've got the, oh, I just hit the mic. <laughs> you come in and you've got the two like kensui uchi, right? The block yeah, and strike yeah, with, the, yeah. with the press down and you do that on, on both sides, right? So I would break the move down. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this drill. And so swing your arms this way and move your hands this way and get everybody in doing it. And then they would figure that out without of, oh, no, I have to learn this kata and I have to do this weird nekwashidachi stance that I'm still not comfortable doing and doing all of these things. And then I would even, sometimes I would even do it with a partner drill before I introduced it as the kata. Mm -hmm. And then... It was like that light bulb goes off when we're doing the kata. Like, oh, this is the thing we just did yesterday yeah. Or, yeah. or last week or earlier today. I'm like, yes. And they're like, oh, sensei, I see what you did there. Yeah. Right? Um, but then I also, I, I also tried a lot of times to do like some pad work or kicking, mm -hmm. um, like kicking a shield or hitting a pad or doing something so that they're, they're always getting that, maybe not always again, um, frequently getting that impact of mm -hmm. like the, the practice of actually hitting an object. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I didn't talk about I'm, that in my section, but we, we also use the, the shields and I also have several, I've got five of the um, like tall century bags and we, we do a lot of impact yeah. uh, drills with those. And we actually use those for takedowns too. Cause the, they're, they're like, um, oh. 
they're bottom heavy so they have like a sandbag at the bottom but mm -hmm. the top is like you know so they can kind of like charge it and like take it down and you know start doing some like ground and pound work and stuff like that which is oh that's fun. excellent yeah so anyway back excellent. to yours back to yours sorry no no no, no, no that's great because, your, because, uh... well, <laughs> no because i think that that's important that it gives it the it doing the the partner drill mm -hmm in some mechanism as well as uh, the impact on a pad. I mean, ultimately it's better to hit your training partner. Um, but you know, sometimes they don't like that. Sometimes they don't like it. Sometimes they don't like that. So, yeah. but getting the impact, it brings it back to, or let me phrase that, not brings it back to, so takes it out of the abstract realm of just punching and kicking the air. Right. And I think that that's really important to see. This is, see, we're actually hitting something. Because depending on how you've grown up, like like you said, there's kids that'll get right up there and go to town on somebody, and yeah. then there's other kids or people because it's not just kids anymore. There's there's grown ups that have grown up and never gotten after it, and yeah. never you know never thrown down or never stand there and banged with anybody or wrestled or you know did any of those things back when they were kids and maybe should have. And it shows. Um, but but that. And that's not to say that that's not a bad thing, right? It's, you know. Just what is what it is. It is what it is. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's good that they probably weren't juvenile delinquents. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it's difficult for some people to get that, to let that come out. Yeah. Right? To like, oh, I need to hit something is, yeah. is in for many people today, an abstract concept. Right. And so finding ways to build that into the beginning, I think is, is important. You know, there was, um, there was a, a, one of the kids that I had in my class, he was, um, I think he was about 12 maybe. And, um, I remember we were doing a drill one time and I was like, okay, you know, hit me, hit me in the, in the stomach here, you know, like I want, I want you to hit me. And he wouldn't, he had such a difficult time. Yeah hitting me and I was like, no, come on. Like, I'm going to hit you. Like, I have no qualms about hitting you very gently, very, you yeah. know, but I want you to hit me. And it took a long time for him to be able to do that. So like with any type of actual intention, right? Okay. Um, so trying to build that mechanisms into, into the class is important. Um, now I'm, uh, the situation is a little bit different and I'm working on building out and I wouldn't say a full-time dojo, but an, an enduring program that will endure after, after I leave. And so I'm working with, with some people here and I've got students and the, and, and some of them, let me phrase that almost all of them have some sort of martial arts experience before the ones that I've, that I've got so far that, Maybe not so much karate, you know, mm -hmm. some Aikido, Krav Maga, Wing Chun, uh, Taekwondo, a little bit. Um, and so there's there's a little bit of an understanding there across a variety of domains, but we're still building up to that that Kihon phase. Yeah. And through that Kihon phase and, and getting it. Generally, we're still at karate. Um, and because we're a smaller group, what this allows me to do is it's not a big class. It allows me to give a lot more personal instruction and to and to really delve into a lot of that mechanics from the beginning that sometimes I don't necessarily I wouldn't do 
in the beginning for 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 for, for more beginners. How, how receptive do you think your beginners are to that level of detail? So, uh, so everybody's an, an adult. Yeah. So, and because they have some experience already, they've had experience doing things. Yeah. And in this case, so far, they're very receptive okay. to that. The caveat to that being is, again, as I look at the sliding scale of abilities of the different individuals, mm-hmm. the ability to understand might be there, understand conceptually what I'm trying to say, but uh, the ability to implement mm-hmm. is varied. Yeah. Like I sent you a video of one of my one of my people doing Fukugata each. Yep. And even, you know, that so I took that video yesterday. Mm-hmm. And even that is a there's parts that are are um significant improvement over even a couple weeks ago cuz I sat a couple weeks ago and before I went on my trip and I was like, "No, this is what I want you to do. Do you understand why I'm telling you to do this?" And he's yeah. like, "Oh, yes, I get it." Now this person, they also have a lot of hands-on day-to-day. You know, their 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 work is very realistic. Let's put it that way, and or rea- reality-based work. Mm-hmm. And so, without getting into details for that person's um, privacy, but um, so they they understand why the the why of it. So then, when I say, "Look, no, this is why I'm doing it. This is why you need it," they're like, "Oh, I get that. That makes sense." Um, and so then they're better able to implement some of it. Um, the other, for example, another individual who yesterday was saying, you know, thank you so much for sharing this. No one has ever kind of like what you mentioned before we started talking. He's like, no one has ever explained this to me like this before. They're always just here, yep. do yep. like this, do just what do I'm like doing this. without. And it's like, well, I don't understand why I'm doing that. And we kind of got into the discussion yesterday that you and I have had before about, you know, kind of the 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 this is going to sound like a criticism, but it's not really, you know, the Japanese way of teaching is here, just do it like this. And in, if you keep doing it like this for however many years, you'll figure it out that that's what, what it's supposed to be. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, yes. And maybe probably not. Um, and the inability to question really kind of limits, limits growth in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but it kind of goes back into that perfect practice makes perfect, mm-hmm. not, practice makes perfect right right and and the the discussion that we've had about you know are people training for 20 years or 15 years or are they just doing the same year 15 times right and so so that 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 came up in 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 a topic in in conversation yesterday as we're relating this point he's like no this the student who's still having difficulty implementing this the second individual but they at least were conceptually understanding why we're doing it that way Right. Um, so for for these, because they're adults also, and because they're interested, they're older, they have some experience. Um, I I I'm finding myself having to do much less of the gamify, if you will, type mm-hmm. things to keep interest. But what I've actually started doing is going in the other direction. Is I will even break drills down even further into here, step this way, step this way, step this way. Yeah. And this, and then going. Now that we're doing that, now the reason we're doing that is because this. And then, then you see, you know, light bulbs going off and like, oh, it makes more sense now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where, where I'm at. I, right now, we're not 
here we're not involved in any type of competition thing, though that's something that um, I may look at for them, not in the purpose so much of competing, but for the, uh, it puts you under pressure, right? Even as a, you know, it, it makes you get out and out of your sterile dojo environment and into a different environment and, and supplies that mental pressure. And so that's one thing that I want to look at here is joining the local federation potentially and um, getting them involved if they have like local tournaments yeah, that'd that, be good. that they can go and um, compete in basically mostly in kata because we, we're not doing any kumite or anything like that but just as a method of changing the environment changing what they're seeing and applying that because you know you you and i both know we, you've competed in kumite and in kata and you may be you know when you're nice and calm and focused and whatever and it like everything just clicks when you're in the dojo and then you you know three hours later or even when you're in warm-ups and then you walk out and you know everything's different right right um, so that's something that i the, the environment so that's something that that i'm looking at but that's kind of how i how i structure my things so at the risk of like having this run really long because we're like coming coming up at the hour mark as it is you yeah. uh you used to be a uh, like an, assi an assistant instructor at a dojo in the like dc uh area metro area yeah, yeah dc metro area um how is what you are doing there different and how you're doing things now because that area you know you, you you had to work with kids you had to kind of walk the line between competitive karate and doing like strict shitoju karate so like how, yeah. how was that um so i guess i would say there it was more of i didn't explain hardly very much I, I did more of, I just kept the class moving, kept them going. Uh, with the ones who were competing, then I geared my feedback towards... The individual. Um, the individual in yeah. a in a competitive competitive sense like this is what's gonna this is what you need to do to compete. We did a lot more there because th that was part of the question of why I asked you about like your tone of voice and your command presence. Yeah um, because when you're in that large group, I mean, whether it's individuals, small, two, three people, how I call count the emphasis or the tone, the inflection, the volume, how loud I say it, I see, I always see a direct uh, or proportional reaction in mm -hmm. their output. Yeah. You know, if I'm, if I'm very soft and quiet and calm when I go each knee sound, right, and I just want them to move, that's how the technique is going to perform. Right. And, and so when you're trying to keep a group moving or you want to evoke a specific response, you as the instructor, I have found that I as an instructor need to be cognizant of that. And right. so if I'm looking to achieve, and so this is where it really tied into the, the example that you're, you're, you're giving, yes, um, you know, several years ago, I was I was teaching at a, at a larger, I guess, more regular, I guess, commercial, commercial dojo, dojo yeah. if you will, um, 
like a city, you know, everyday dojo and to keep things moving and activated there, you know, I had, I, I, I definitely relied on that command presence, pushing them, the volume, the uh, pretty much constant activity. I couldn't stop uh, and give a lot of overall guidance or mm -hmm. explanation because then, and even then, even when I stopped to talk to an individual, I had, I could only really do that if I had already set other action in motion. Right. Because if I stop the class and I'm talking to, you know, Johnny right here, maybe the two or three people around Johnny are listening and maybe paying attention and maybe like, oh, let me try to, probably not. Mm -hmm. um, but the people in the back half of the class or on the other side of the class, they're standing there going, you know, picking their nose, you know, what's, what's for dinner. I have to go do this algebra two homework, you right. know, is sensei done talking. I don't understand. Um, and so there it was really important to keep things moving, um, in a more, I don't like the word dynamic, but in a progressive manner so yeah. that everyone keeps their activity level high. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's very easy for the energy in the class to, to, dissipate. to dissipate and wane. And yeah. then it's harder as the instructor to build it up. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I found too is you can't get angry in class. Yeah you like there, there might be kids and, and, and this, and this, and a lot of times it was the teens class, um, almost never in the adult class, but you know, the, the teens they're looking, they're trying to push boundaries. They're trying to establish boundaries and you, they might have, you know, there's, there's a lot of attitude that, that goes on a lot of times. And if, something happens and you react in a, in a negative manner as an instructor, uh, the entire, and I, and I saw it both, not just if I like got tweaked at something somebody did or said or reacted, but I saw it on the other end when I was participating in class and another instructor was leading and if they went off on a student or went off yeah. on the class, um, there it goes. It's like, you might as well just have stayed home today. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just send everybody home at that point. Like, cause yeah. you can't get it back. Yeah, you can't get it. It's really well. You, you might be able to get it back, yeah. but it's very tough. Yeah, and so, um, but a lot of that also. What I found when I was looking that, and I would when I would go back afterwards, and why did that situation happen? Mm -hmm. It was a lot of times the. It goes back to that dojo environment, and I don't know if 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 you've experienced it, but if if the situation is created in that environment to where people are allowed to express kind of that attitude, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it very quickly spreads through the entire class. Yeah. So we, we actually, um, I'm pretty fortunate that there's not really a lot of room for that in my dojo. There's not a lot of room for that attitude. Uh, in my teens class, we're, my teens class is um, predominantly female. Mm -hmm. I have just a couple of boys and then the rest of the class is all female. Uh, and my, like top three ladies in there, you know, they're uh, two are 14 and one is 17. And they are like, they're enforcers, man. Like they, they'll, they'll turn around and check the other kids and be like, yo, like get in line, you know? And I'm like, that's right. You know, that, and that's how it should be. If I, 
Yes. You know, they, 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 they do it very seriously uh, because they want to grow. They want to keep working. Um, these, these ladies do, they want to, they're part of the competition team. They're part, they're the ones that like go between my teens class and my adults class. And they, they understand that if you are in there and you're wasting my time, then, then they're not growing. So, well, you see what I find really interesting about that is so the, the examples, like I thought of, it kind of goes back into our discussion. And if I have to scroll back through the episode list, I will, but yeah. about the, the importance of the black belt. Yeah. Because where I saw this was in the, the teen early adult class mm-hmm. when they got Shodan. Shodan. Is when the uh, biggest attitude. The, the got too big for the britches kind of. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. I gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Because. Well, the, I, I also still fight all of my teens. Like we do Kumite. I, I fight them all. So they also have that like, uh, he can still take me. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting up there in age, but he still gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't speaking more about that physical skill ability. I was speaking just more about because the emphasis is yeah. placed on getting the black belt. Right. And even the black belt for them, it was oftentimes just Shodan Ho because they're allowed to wear a black belt at Shodan Ho, mm-hmm. which another reason I despise, like I, I don't even see the need for it. Um, yeah. That's a, another topic. But we would, I would find that. In fact, I had to, I had to crush an entire class one day when... I think it was three or four people all tested for their Shodan Ho yeah. and they were all upper teens mm-hmm. and they came back the next week after this test thinking they, were hot everybody, thinking they were hot. Everybody had an attitude. Everybody was a know-it-all. Yeah. And, Right. And it death, wasn't, death, it death was, by Kihon, line up. It was, it was, it was death by Kihon. Yeah. And it, it ended up being, I, I turned over like all the, uh, the younger, the younger kids that were in there, like the, the preteens and early teens and color belts. Mm-hmm. And I gave them to somebody else. And I took this whole group of black belts and like, you know, uh, Shodan Ho. And I just crushed them for an hour. And it was like, you are nothing. Like Shodan Ho means nothing to me. That and they all quit the, and none of them do karate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to happen anyways. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, it wasn't directly as a relation to that day, yeah. but you could see it. They, they, because that dojo, yeah. that environment, the emphasis as well, just getting your black belt, not the karate journey, right. not the growth and the, the Shodan being the first step. Yeah. There was like, well, I'm a Shodan now. I've accomplished my task. I'm going to go do whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, and it was really evident in, in that group. Um, so I've, ne- I've never faced anything like that. None of my students that have, you know, made it to their, cause we have, we have our junior black, we don't have a Shodan. We have our junior black belt, which they can right. start getting at 12 years old, but at 16 is when they're allowed to get their official Shodan. And I feel like by this, if they make it to the time that they're 16 and they're still doing karate and they, you know, they, are at that level to receive their shodan. I think they've, I, th- I think they've like learned enough about me as a person to, to like understand like the expectation inside the dojo. Any of my like dramatic issues that I've had has always been sibling rivalry. It's, oh. That that's that's the only issue that I've ever had. And currently, uh, I have one who their parents are like 
they're literally begging me to put them in the same class and I refuse to. I've got one in the kids' class, one in the teens' class. The the one that's in the kids' class right now is absolutely thriving, you know, like doing some of the best karate that I've ever seen from her. And the kid that's in the teens' class, he, he never wanted to be there in the first place, but his parents make him make him come. Uh, but when they're together, man, it's oil and water, you know, they just they just don't mix and it's it's always yeah. a problem. But now that they're separated he's doing a little bit better and she's doing exponentially better yeah and the environment like in totality is exponentially better better so yeah that's that's that but you know i I don't know i I hope i hope we've kind of like helped sean uh i hope this is what he was looking for in terms of like information i hope so i hope so and well and i want to and i kind of want to finish on what you said earlier about uh, it's kind of you, you, two parts is a the fact that you still spar with them so that they know that you can still crush them right <laughs> but yeah really but what that is is that that is representative of they still have a respect for you right and they do yeah and that ties in with the other part of what you said that i think is critical is is they know your expectations yeah. They know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And as far as attitude in the dojo, as far as expectations of how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to train, what the level of training is. And that's where I said this yesterday to, to the guy. He did something and I said, hey, 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 you got to remember, um, sensei sees everything. Yeah. And so I am not going to let that slide now there's certain mm-hmm. things that I can let slide for you at essentially the white belt level, but there's mm-hmm. certain things that I can't let slide in how you move. Because if I let you, if I let you just do that that way now, you are going to continue to do it that way, and it's going to be even harder for me to get you to change that later thing. on. Yeah, once this becomes a habit, this is going to be hard for you to break right. it. Yeah, right. And so, but what that shows is that you are paying attention and you are setting the tone and the expectation of what, and I, and I don't, and I don't mean this just in their behavior and their attitude. You have an expectation of high performance. Yes. You expect them to perform up to your standard, which is very high. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same, same with me, you know, cause we both have, we both know a lot of people we've both been in a lot of different dojos we've seen a lot of different dojos we've we've seen how other people run dojos and stuff like that or we've seen them at tournaments and we've seen different groups that come and you see things from what would be higher high ranking people that I'll, I'll put it this way. You know, we, we joke about, you know, there was somebody who came in and they had a, a, a need on from a different system. And I was like, well, that's great. You, you're a solid yellow belt, right? Like that's, that make what, what you're showing me from a need on of that system, I would consider as a solid yellow belt. Right. Um, but that's up to us as the instructor to set that high standard, continually seeking for them to perform at a higher level, not just for competition, but if you seek it for everything and you, and you expect them to perform at a higher level, that permeates through the dojo. Yeah. Well, you know, 
and, and, and for this individual who, you know, he said he wants to start doing tournaments and things like that, you got to set that bar high early and then maintain it. Like there's no sense in trying to lower the bar so that way you can help students like meet that. No, no, no. It's right. better to uplift the students and get them to reach that standard and then push that bar even higher, you know, and, and no matter where you take them, whether it's tournaments or, you know, you take them to Okinawa to a dojo or you take them to a seminar or you, you know, you invite a guest in, you can always trust that your students are going to represent you and your dojo to the highest standard that you set. So if your standards are very low, you can trust that wherever you take them, that's what they're going to, that's what, how they're going to represent you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that that right there is a great place for us to Wrap take it, it out. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So, uh, high expectations, set, set your expectations, provide variety, keep the students engaged, having command presence, uh, varying things up, making them applicable, kicking, you know, pad drills, uh, partner drills, very important. Any last words for you before I take us out? I, I think I said everything I need to say. Okay. Get All to right. work. For the rest, go get to work. And yeah. remember, February 27th, FX Shogun. and Hulu, Shogun. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time.